In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. You may be seated. Well, we've finally come to the end of the green season, to the end of ordinary time, the season after Pentecost, whatever you want to call it. And we have come to the last Sunday after Pentecost, which is Christ the King Sunday. At the heart of the Christian faith is the kingship of Jesus. The word gospel, the the etymology of it, if you will, means good news. And gospel announcements, particularly in the ancient world, were announcements of Caesarship. They were announcements of lordship, announcements of kingship. Thus the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus is king. Now this morning, I don't know how you feel about St. Kanye West's new album entitled Jesus is King, or whether you're even aware of it, right? Um, and, and as an aside, people take, when there's a public conversion like this, people take all kinds of different sides, right? Some cheer it on. They immediately in, invite him to preach, which I don't know if that's good. We need to see what happens, maybe, But then the other side is all this is fake. Well, I think we should maybe cheer for people in in the sense that we should be rooting for someone that perhaps their life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And don't we want to see that actually happen? And and time will tell uh, whether or not it's genuine. But regardless of what you think of him or or his album, if you've listened to it, there's a song about Chick-fil-A, which I think is pretty funny. The, The title of the record could not be more Christian because, again, The gospel proclamation, the good news, is that Jesus of Nazareth is king, that he is Lord of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4 and following, St. Paul, an actual saint, uh, gives us, as it were, a technical definition of the gospel. These verses are perhaps an early Christian creed, dating back to the 30s. And again, not the 1930s, but like the first 30s. So right after Jesus was resurrected, there's this early incipient creed because Paul's definitely quoting something in 1 Corinthians 15. He's not making it up extemporaneously, but he writes this, for I delivered to you that which I also received as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. These verses are the heralding of the crucified and risen king. For Christ is not a surname, but a title. Christ was not Jesus's last name. If, you were, if we were to find his birth certificate, it wouldn't say Christ. Christ is is a title. So Jesus of Nazareth is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. That is, and what was the Messiah? The Messiah was to be the king of the Jews and therefore the Lord of the world, the Lord of all. And this announcement and unveiling of the king of kings is good news because the arrival of the king means the arrival of the kingdom. 
And that means the arrival of justice. The collect for Sunday, which we just prayed, begins this way. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in thy well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Old Testament lesson, Jeremiah 23, speaks of the shepherd, that is the king. In the ancient world, across cultures, the word shepherd is virtually a synonym for king. So Jeremiah is saying that the good shepherd king is going to hold the bad shepherds to account. And the king's name is, verse 6, the Lord is our righteousness. That's his name in Jeremiah. The Lord is our righteousness. Now, when we hear the word righteousness, we tend to think, I'll speak for myself, but I tend to think of solely moral purity, of being upright, of, of being a person that's in right standing with a God, do, doing righteous works, being someone who is holy as God is holy. And that's part of it. But in the Old Testament and in this context, righteousness means God's covenant faithfulness, God's saving justice. That when we say the Lord is our righteousness, that means he is the one that is going to put the world right according to his promises and according to his nature and character. Moreover, the heralding of a king in the ancient world is often accompanied by an announcement of victory. So in this case, and this is exactly what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is the announcement of Christ, Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ, in, con- in concert with his work on the cross, which was his victory. The trumpets are sounded because King Jesus has won the victory by his cross over sin, over death, over the devil. And as the God-man savior of the world, he has become king on earth as in heaven, reclaiming in the battle at Calvary every square inch of the cosmos as his dominion. That's an allusion to Lewis, which is Jonathan quipped last week. Every Anglican sermon by canon law has to have a reference to C.S. Lewis. But, 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 but I, I don't remember where he said it because he was so prolific. But, but he said every square inch of space is claimed by God and Christ. She's not making that up. That's from Colossians 1. We just heard it. I mean, think about this. Paul says in Colossians 1, all things have been created through him and for him. So when we talk about what we want for our lives, what life? Christ is your life. Everything's been created through him and for him. We were made, I know you're going to get sick of hearing this, but it's the truth. We were made to see God. We were made by him, for him, to behold him and to be united with him. It's the very reason for our existence. And so we are going to spend our time seeking him, our life in Christ. So Jesus then is the victorious king. But the way in which Jesus won victory, the way in which he became the conquering king on earth as in heaven, the way in which he yields power, the way in which he treats 
his subjects, that is, his sons and daughters, for what is a kingdom except an extended family? That's what a kingdom is. That's what a nation should be, is an extended family. And then the converse of this, we're going to really get in the weeds, is that what is a family except a microcosm of a kingdom? It's a mini kingdom. This is another sermon for another day, but the primary means of socialization is not Netflix, is not corporations, our our new pantheon of gods who do press releases to tell us what's right and what's wrong. The primary agent of socialization is the family. So the way in which Jesus wins this victory, the way in which he builds the the kingdom, the way in which he treats his subjects, us, his sons and daughters, is radically different than what one may expect to find. For as the colic says, Christ the king brings a, quote, most gracious rule. And this most gracious rule is ushered in through weakness. That's why Paul says in Corinthians that the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. And that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of of men. And what is he talking about? He's talking about the cross. Through his death, he brings life. His gracious rule is ushered in, again, Colossians 1.20, through the blood of his cross. The coronation of King Jesus is peculiar, to say the least. It certainly wasn't what the world expected. It wasn't what even the disciples expected. Earlier in the gospel, and you've got to pay attention to the gospel language where it talks about the thieves on the cross and one is on his right and one is on his left. It's very particular language, and it's hearkening back to something that happened earlier in the ministry of Jesus. When James and John say, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can we get the good seats? And and, and in one of the Gospels, I believe it's the Gospel of Matthew, we we learn that it's actually their mom that asked Jesus. Mommy, can you go ask Jesus if at his party we can have the best seats in the house? And what does Jesus say? He says you don't know what you're asking because his coronation is what? His coronation was the crucifixion. And those enthroned at his side, on his right and his left, were two thieves. The cross, on the surface, it didn't look much like victory, like deliverance, like the beginning of a new age, quite the opposite. But the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the coronation of the King of Kings. He's adorned mockingly, albeit, with a purple robe. He's crowned with a crown of thorns. Again, he's enthroned on a cross between two thieves. A placard is placed over his head in multiple languages, in Hebrew, in Greek, and Latin, that said, this is the king of the Jews, which speaks to the cosmic reign of Christ. It wasn't just in Hebrew or in Aramaic. It was in the lingua franca, if you will. Because the reign of Christ was never going to be contained to a particular strip of land in the Middle East or to a particular ethnic group. Psalm 72, his reign will be from one sea to the other, from the river to the ends of the earth. 
all of Paul's ministry, when he's the apostle to the Gentiles, what is he showing them is that from the beginning, guys, look at the scriptures with me. It was the, God's plan was always to include Jew and Gentile in the one family of God centered around Jesus of Nazareth. So he has this placard over his head that proclaims the, his reign, that proclaims his domain, domain. The humiliation of the cross is simultaneously the exaltation of the Son of Man spoken of in Daniel 7. The cross is the Son of Man's coming on the clouds in great power and glory. That's why Jesus can say to his disciples, some of you will not taste death till you see the Son of Man coming in power. That was his coming in power. That was his ascension to the throne of the world. So veiled in humility, there's all this beautiful irony in the Gospels. Veiled in humility is the most glorious victory that the world has ever seen. For by the cross of Christ, Satan is struck down. By the blood of Christ, our sins are washed away. By the death of Christ, death is defeated. Christ the King died for our sins according to the scriptures and was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. And this is the good news. This is the best news. This is the gospel. Soon, a week from today, we will enter the season of Advent. We'll be learning about this. We'll be learning how do we celebrate Advent, which is a season of preparation for the coming of Christ. Liturgically, for for the birth of the Savior, but then also preparing our hearts and our souls and preparing the church for the day when Jesus Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. And y'all, it's getting, even as a priest, it's getting really hard to keep Advent because the corporations have been celebrating Christmas since when in Orlando? I mean, a couple months already. So, so, So for us to kind of pump the brakes and say, okay, let's back up a little bit and have a season of anticipating the coming of the Lord and not rush to December 25th is hard for us, but, but we have a different king. We have a different kingdom. So it means that we have a different calendar. Our life, the liturgical calendar, revolves around what? Not, not the school year, not, not the bottom line, Black Friday, corporations making sales. It revolves around the life of Jesus. It's a journey through the life of Jesus, which is the central reality of the universe. And that clock will never stop running because unceasingly, and we're about to join this song, the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven are around the throne of God singing, holy, holy, holy. So we're we're coming up to that season. And as we live between the advents of our Lord, that is the arrivals of our Lord, we can take heart in that knowledge that the Prince of Peace is at present, is at present, not at some future date, is at present king over all. We can take heart that he has overcome the world, John 16, that he has achieved victory by the cross and that that victory will be fully realized at the last day when the gracious rule and reign of heaven will come fully and finally on earth. Thus, because Christ is king in this coming season, we can get away from rush and hurry and anxiety 
and we can rest in the words of Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth.